Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our conversation with Nicholas Benavides, who we spoke to in October 2021. How did growing up in New Mexico affect your music? Yeah, I would say, you know, in my formal training, I avoided, like so many people do, I, I sort of avoided what I considered the what was least exciting, which was just where I grew up. Because someone who's new to classical music when you're 18 um, and jumping in, you're suddenly just like, there was whole eras, like there, there was romanticism and I could, I could dive into, you know, Winterreiser, and then, oh my God, like Rayfon Williams, like these people were living through wars and Messian and the, in the, like all this history becomes very, very seductive. Um, and so I really dove into that style of music and I, and I really enjoyed it. And it wasn't until right at the end of my master's, actually, when I was at the San Francisco Conservatory, when I started to really consider, you know, okay, well, maybe I've gotten this formal education at a, at a high level, you know, maybe it's time to revisit uh, where I'm from. And I will say the first few pieces I wrote about New Mexico because I had spent so long being a tourist in the place that I really was from and being a tourist in a place that I wasn't from, just being a tourist all around. Um, I didn't really know how to write music in that style. So the first few pieces were kind of trash. I felt like I was culturally appropriating myself. And so I kind of stopped. Um, and I think I was trying too hard to really transcribe and frame things rather than just accept that my family has been in New Mexico for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, whatever I do is just by definition New Mexican. And if I imagine New Mexican themes and I imagine uh, my upbringing and I imagine the sounds that I authentically heard growing up, that it will naturally just fall into place. I don't need to try to force any specific system. And ever since then, about four years ago, uh, things have been clicking a lot better. I find that I can draw from the toolkits that I that I. I learned from various composers, living and dead, uh, who have nothing to do with New Mexico. I can pull from them and I could sort of pour that into my knowledge of New Mexico. And sometimes, you know, uh, Gabriella Elena Frank talks about this with her own music. Sometimes people will say, oh, I heard it. Like that was so Southwestern. It was, it blew my mind how, how relevant it was to the experience of someone who speaks Spanish. And sometimes people are like, I have no idea. Like that was nice, but I have no idea what that had to do with being Latino or Hispanic whatsoever, you know? And I think that's fine. Um, I think that's, I, I'm okay with that, uh, with how my music manifests that way. Cause it's, you know, culture is a practice. It's not really a, an achievement. Um, you do it, you get better at it by just doing it and you'll never be the best at it. You just hope to get better and better. And so that's part of my process. You spoke about Latino and Southwest identity. Do you see those as separate? Or do they intermingle for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's sort of like a big Venn diagram, right? Um, you know, I think it help, it's helpful to think of locations that we generally partition very easily in our mind just by nature of living in a, a Western society. So it's very easy for us to imagine different countries within Europe and different cities within Europe, right? Like, I think a lot of people in the United States, based because of our culture, know that Rome is different from Naples, is different from, you know, Sicily. You know, people are from different areas, like Milan and Sicily are very distinct. And I think actually that's similar when we think about 
um, Hispanic and Latino culture in general, it's a similar thing. There are a lot of shared things, like you know, Europe has a shared history, and I and I, I'll use these terms fairly openly. Like there are shared colonial histories that I have as someone from the American Southwest that someone from Central America or even South America would share um, language, idioms, um, historical connections, political movements, right? Those things are flow very easily, just like the European Union. But at the same time, my experience as uh, American born from New Mexico uh, versus even someone from Mexico City would be uh, extremely different in other respects. And so I do, you know, I use the term, I'll use all the terms above depending on the context. And really it depends where I am. In New Mexico, for example, um, people don't ever use the word Latino, like ever. And maybe it's because we're, uh, it's a different state, but everybody uses the word Hispanic. In California, the term Hispanic has different connotations. It's more of a colonial connotation, even though it doesn't have the same meaning in New Mexico. So people think about Latinidad in general and the unifying nature of Puerto Ricans and Mexican Americans and people from the Southwest. Um, and then when I want to be very specific, I'll say I'm uh, New Mexican or Nuevo Mexicano because that is my particular culture, just like someone from Mexico City would be from there. But realistically, I would also admit that New Mexico historically is more like another state of Mexico. Culturally, Mexico is our, our grandfather culture. And forgive me, other New Mexicans, people hate to admit that, but it's true. You know, a lot of things that we share, a lot of things that I grew up doing are shared by people in, in Chihuahua, you know, um, shared by people south of the border, almost to an exact parallel. Um, our cuisine, I would say, is more similar with people just south of the border than it is with people from Mexico City and, and the same for them. They share more with New Mexico than they do with Mexico City. So it's, it's a big, it's a big layers of, of definitions within definitions, but it kind of depends, I think, who you're talking to. Do you think identity is something to explicitly, mindfully include or remove in music, or just something to let bubble out? I, I don't think there should be any one way for a composer to work. Um, I think that's what makes the art form really fun, is composers have different levels of engaging with things. Uh, and how they choose to, and the materials that they choose to use. I mean, I think everybody, you know, one thing we're learning is not that we are bringing out identity or composers who write music about their personal identities, uh, rather that it's always existed. And it's an act of um, like self-censorship to not include it, you know, uh, like rather than, rather than build identity out of nothing, it's really more like identity is always there. And to not use it is more like to cover it up, to actively obscure it because it takes work to just not be yourself. Um, it takes a lot of hard work. And so I think being comfortable with composers reaching for those tools and experiences more quickly uh, is a good thing. Uh, I also don't think every composer should have to do that. Some composers prefer to work in a more abstract realm where things are symbolic, where things are mathematics, where things are really sans culture as best as they can do. And I think that's fine as well. Um, I have nothing against that. Um, but I do think that everybody has an identity. And one other thing I'd like to point out too is, is uh, since you are in the unique position of being a performer and a, and a presenter and administrator, all these different roles that come with running an ensemble, is there's, um, I'm sure you're well aware of this, is there's a difference between performative diversity and like authentic community building diversity. Um, I think we get really addicted to the idea of bringing in 
you know, diverse artists from all over the country and the world. And what happens is we get the same touring circuit of artists who fulfill a certain program a certain month of the year, going to the major symphony orchestras, and then they leave. And I think part of personal identity has to do with the diversity that comes from where you are from. And I think there is extreme diversity that one should pay attention to, even if you're from a county in the middle of the country that's 100% or 99% white, right? There's diversity in demographic experiences, socioeconomic statuses, um, personality traits. You know, uh, I think teachers, presenters living in those places uh, to discover their own identity could do a lot with looking around and saying, you know, am I including kids from the same socioeconomic background in my programming? Am I, um, am I including kids with disabilities? You know, they have diverse points of view as well. That uh, am I including affluent kids? Am I including kids who need help, who need scholarship? Um, I think it's possible to have a diverse program that is all one ethnicity, but at the same time, a whole multitude of experiences. Um, and I just say that out there because I'm on a crusade to talk about this because uh, as from the Bay Area, I feel like there's such a, a culture of importing talent from New York, which is, you know, our, our, I guess our cultural capital in this country. And there's, I love artists from New York, but I think um, really cultivating artists at home uh, keeps you from getting into that anemic situation in the first place. Um, and that's why I'm happy to talk to you. It's also nice to talk to artists from California, um, um, promote each other, think about how we can build on one another rather than always import, import, import. Because I think that that is really uh, ruining us for further down the road when it comes to these diversity discussions. Thank you for listening to For Good Measure. And a special thank you to our guest, Nicholas Benavides, for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, Please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media, and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. Four Good Measures produced by Nanette McGinnis and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes. With special thanks to audio engineer extraordinaire Stephanie Newman. Remember to keep supporting equity in the arts and tune in next week for Good Measure.